Imagine a world where judges don't make the sentencing call, but a computer does. This is the direction our criminal justice system may be heading, but what if it's the current reality? Big data is a process through which courts use prior data about offenders and sentences are ordered accordingly based on their prior sentences. What this means is that a computer uses a specific algorithm for the case at hand, and a sentence gets spit out, completely taking the human element out of our criminal justice system's process. Good or bad? Ethical or unethical? Our hosts for the day are myself, Alec Robertson, and Allison Rowley, and Sam Carr will be joining us for our discussion. We will speak with and interview David Harris and potentially get to the bottom of big data, or at least start a dialogue amongst our listeners. Talking to us today is Professor David Harris. Professor Harris is currently a professor of law at University of Pittsburgh. Besides teaching, he studies and writes about police behavior and regulation, law enforcement, national security, and law. In 2002, he wrote a book titled Profiles and Injustice, Why Racial Profiling Cannot Work. His book and other scholarly articles led to federal efforts to address police practices. He is a former public defender in the Washington, D.C. area and worked as a law clerk for federal judge Walter K. Stapleton. Hello. Hello. Hi, Dr. Harris. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. I'm going to briefly ask you to describe what you do and any current projects that you are working on. Sure. I am a law professor at the University of Pittsburgh School of Law. My main areas of research are police and especially search and seizure law. I look at police behavior, police misconduct, and I do a lot of work with media and have my own podcast called Criminal Injustice. For the audience in your own words, what is big data? Big data can be defined as the aggregation of millions upon millions of pieces of information from any aspect of life, let's say the justice system, that can then be marshaled and studied and categorized through computational power. What is the current policy surrounding the use of algorithms and big data application and sentencing? Well, there are no centralized policies for this. That's part of the problem. We have in this country, when we talk about policies for any particular area of law, be it algorithms or something else, we are talking about uh, at least 52 separate criminal justice systems because each state has its own system. Then there's the federal system and the District of Columbia. So we have a decentralized way of doing criminal justice and criminal law in the first place. And then with something as new as using algorithms in sentencing, there's really no set rules for this. And policymakers and lawmakers are really far, far behind people in research and people in foundations and people in uh, decision-making positions who uh, want to try some of this sort of decision-making based on algorithms. So there aren't really any central policies to speak of. There are developing good practices, but even those are sometimes in dispute. So we're in a world in which the science and the, the practical application of the science is far ahead of the decision makers and the policy makers.
I thought that sounded like a good idea, you know, using technology to decide whether or not, or decide the length of the sentencing that a judge does. But as, you know, someone who's unfamiliar with the criminal justice system, I am worried about the lack of policy in place for something like this. I feel like when most people hear big data, they have the same reaction as Alec did, like, oh, that seems like a great idea. But once they dive more into the material, they find out what it really is about, and they take a step back and realize maybe this is something we should test a little bit more. How might big data and high-tech digital profiling of individuals lead to unequal treatments in the criminal justice system? It can lead to unequal treatment chiefly by reducing people to simple risk profiles and uh, to do that based on data that is reflective of the world as it is now. Right? Because we know that in many places and in many aspects, uh, our system doesn't work in a way that is completely fair and that is unequal. And if we simply reproduce that in the form of algorithms, we'll be faster and more efficient doing it, but we won't have different outcome. We'll have more of the same, except then it will be cloaked in science and math, and it'll be much harder to challenge. What are some of the factors that calculate into the algorithm? It really depends on what the algorithm is, who builds it, and so forth. The uh, most common algorithmic tool that's out there is not used for sentencing, but for uh, release from pretrial confinement. It's done by the Arnold Foundation, and that one uses all verifiable factors that do not have to be gathered from a person who's confined. They're all visible on the record, and they are easy to use. It's boiled down to you know, less than 10 factors. And the way that it is constructed tends to really lessen any possibility that people are going to be disadvantaged because of their economic situation or because of past systems that, that have biases built into them. The, the danger, if you like, is that increasingly these algorithmic tools are built by private proprietors, uh, companies, and there's nothing wrong with these coming from that, but they don't disclose the factors that go into their algorithmic product. And therefore, unless you are willing to either put the factors out there so that people can see what you're doing, or just give the product to people for open and valid scientific testing in the regular course of science and academic research, you're simply asking the public to accept that what you put out there is right and fair and they should trust your outcome. And uh, we know that even with the best of intentions, what we need to do is be sure of ourselves and we need to test what's out there. So we can't simply accept the word of a private company that constructs one of these tools at the very least, we don't necessarily need what's called sometimes the source code or things like that, but we need to do unbiased, open scientific testing of these things so that we know they work and we know that they don't simply reproduce the biases that exist in the system now. Do you think that this big data is taking away from the human intuition? It can if used incorrectly or overused. It doesn't have to. We can use these tools 
to supplement what judges already do and to help judges have a better idea of how to predict who will be most likely to say to reoffend or be dangerous and so forth, assuming that the tools are properly constructed and scientifically vetted. So a judge doesn't necessarily have to rely on these entirely. The judge may use this to supplement her judgment. Without using algorithmic tools, in many other circumstances, we have taken away judges' discretion, and it's not been good. So we don't want to do that even with algorithms. And I mean, Exhibit A there would be the federal sentencing guidelines, which for many, many years, decades, were mandatory. They're no longer mandatory, but they tend to work that way even now. And what judges would tell you is, you know, the, you work it out on a little graph, and it comes to 50 to 55 months based on the defendant and the crime, and the judge has no discretion other than that. Even if the judge thinks it's a manifest injustice, the judge was obligated to give a sentence between 50 and 55 months. That is taking away the human element in decision-making, and we've even had judges leave the federal bench because they just couldn't put up with that. So that's not a characteristic of algorithms. It's a characteristic of an inflexible system when we see that. We don't want algorithms to take over we want them to be proper and properly used, well-constructed and used for the right purpose. We want the human element, but we want that to be supplemented by real information that judges can rely on to make the right kinds of decision in the end. As an outsider, I mean, I definitely think it can take away from the human intuition element of the criminal justice system, which I believe is important. Again, from, from my understanding of it, a lot of it comes down to, like, when it comes to setting a sentence, I feel like that is the job of the judge, you know, to use their discretion, their prior history to analyze the specific situations and apply their precedence to it and set what they believe the sentencing should be. But... Much like Dr. Harris said, I think it doesn't have to. If used properly, the data should be. It is a tool, and then the judge can weigh on the response of the tool and decide from there what they want to do. Like it, It's not like what gets spit out of the big data is what has to happen. The judge still has the ability to decide for themselves. But again, I guess I'd like to get your guys' opinion on that. I think you, know, you could look at this sort of like sentencing guidelines that you know, the federal government uses. They give judges an idea. It gives them a starting point. Um, and it says the fair sentence according to these guidelines is from X number of years in prison to X number of years. So you have that range. But judges still have the ability to decide, do they want to go, do you know, they feel that this person warrants staying at the high end of the range or the low end of the range? I think at the end of the day, though, it's just going to come down to how it's implemented and how it's used. Creating a policy in the future, do you think that the factors should all be the same for the states, or do you think that each state should have their own individual factors that they calculate in? I don't think we necessarily need the factors to be all the same for every state. They, each state has its own criminal justice system, so there's no reason that we should think that all of this should all be the same. It should all be uniform. 
But in most cases, most of the factors that we would want to go into this will be the same. That is not to say that there can't be a lot of different approaches to this, that there can't be many ways to come to a good set of conclusions or build a good tool. I wouldn't want it to simply dictate it must be these 10 things and nothing else. We should let the scientific and research process tell us which of the uh, factors that might be tested in part of an algorithm prove out and show that this thing works. However, the particular agency or company, whoever puts it together, you want to know that it works, that it's unbiased, and that it does least as good a job and probably much better a job than does other kinds of tools or just seat-of-the-pants judgment, which is so often what we rely on. So I wouldn't look for it all to be the same. What I want as a person deeply concerned about the criminal justice system is that I want these systems to be tested in a fair and unbiased way, and I want to, I want everybody to be able to know the results, to know that they work, to know that they aren't just another way to have biases, but a way that is much harder to penetrate because it's science and math. I want it to be an open process, and I want anybody who wants to use one of these systems to be able to show me and everybody else that it works and that it's fair. Going off of that, in your professional opinion, is this trend toward big data constitutional? And what sort of lines may it cross ethically? Well, the constitutionality of big data systems, I think, is yet to be reckoned with. You can find some interesting scholarly writing on the uh, connections between the use of big data, say data mining, and due process challenges, due process of law. There are real questions to be confronted on the constitutional side, but as is very common, the court systems are far behind our technological development and even the practical application of technology. We're just now sort of coming to grips with the use of data from things like cell phone towers. Can you get that data from the cell phone companies without a warrant, or is a warrant required? Very simple questions like that. So I think it's going to be a while before we have courts coming to grips with the constitutional issues that are raised by big data, and it will likely come in the form of challenges based on, on equality and fairness in the sense that you'll see people who are judged to be too great a risk to be released or too great a, re a risk for anything but penitentiary confinement. You may find class actions or other kinds of legal actions that challenge the use of those tools as a deprivation of due process of law, due process of law or the equal protection of the law based on how the people shake out by, by race or ethnic group. Ethically, that presents a whole other set of questions that is really above my pay grade. I don't think, though, that you want to completely read people out of the equation. I think we want human beings and judges involved in these things. Even as they use new tools, we want to give them tools that can assist them and assist them in a fair way. We don't want a system that is strictly mechanical and database. That doesn't help anybody. It may make for great shopping on Amazon, but justice isn't shopping. I guess because I'm a criminal justice nerd, I always like to look what the courts say. And this, this frankly hasn't been, you know, we have not tested this yet. This hasn't gone before a Supreme Court to, to find out if it's constitutional. So to a certain extent, everything is speculative. But I feel that if that big data can be constitutional if used correctly, but it could also be 
very unconstitutional, and it's going to come down to the way it's implemented. I ultimately think it's the the duty of the Constitution to, you know, protect the people from the government as a system of checks and balances. But from what I understand about big data, if used correctly, I don't think it's very uh, unconstitutional. I think it's pretty constitutional. I mean, it just really compiles information that is already out there. Your priors, you know, what the offenses were and attributes, I guess, a value to them and then shoots out of how long a length of time for sentencing. Like I said, this is coming from someone who's pretty passionate about using the Constitution to protect the people. And I think as long as the proper policies are in place, that seems to be the recurring theme here is we need policies for this sort of thing to ensure that it isn't taken advantage of. But on the whole, I mean, I don't really see that much of an issue with using it as a tool and as a tool alone, as long as those proper precautions are put into place. Going off of the defendants, do you think that they are receiving a fair and speedy trial if there are these biases in big data? I think that if you use big data and we acknowledge that biases are going to exist to a certain extent in it, but the argument could be made that they're not receiving a fair trial. On the other side of that, how do we know that they're receiving a fair trial anyway if it's a human being making this decision? Because as we know, humans have biases about everything. As, as far as the Sixth Amendment test, I think that big data sentencing holds up. I think it could have some merit to look at it as an Eighth Amendment test, looking at the harshness of the punishment. I think as a Sixth Amendment test, I think big data holds up. Yeah, hopefully our, our listeners get a, you know, a, a more uh, accurately painted picture of what this all entails and make an informed decision for themselves about how they feel about it. And we can spread awareness and ensure that the proper policies get put into place to make sure that this sort of system isn't taken advantage of and we as citizens are protected from it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really important for people just to just to know that this is out there and that it's being used. I mean, most people don't really keep up with what the emerging technologies are uh, in criminal justice, so I think it's very important for the public to understand what this is. And that's really where I stand now, now that I'm a little more aware of it, and I, like I said, I hope people are more aware of this emerging, budding technology. And uh, just write your congressman. <laughs> Policy and Justice is brought to you by the College of Humanities and Behavioral Sciences at Radford University.